Welcome to Energy Talks, a regular podcast series with expert discussions on power system testing topics. My name is Scott Williams from the podcast team at Omicron, and I will be your host. Hello, everyone. In this episode, we will present part two of our special Energy Talks mini-series called Digital Transformation in the Power Industry. This is one of a series of monthly episodes on this topic in which we will learn about the steps to take in making a successful digital transformation to meet changing market requirements. In part two, my guests will discuss the specific challenges companies in the power industry are facing in making a successful digital transformation and how these challenges can be overcome. Speaking with us about this topic are Juan Carlos Sanchez and Lucas Klingenschmidt. Both are Omicron digital transformation experts who also work on ways to optimize the software of Omicron testing devices to help users in making a smooth digital transformation in the power industry. Both Juan Carlos and Lucas have been guests on previous episodes of Energy Talks. Hello, Juan Carlos. Hello, Lucas. Welcome back to Energy Talks. Scott, it's great to be here again to talk about the digital transformation. Hi, Scott. Also looking forward for today's podcast. Super. Well, thank you both for being here for this discussion. Lucas, let me start with you. In your opinion, why do you think that digital transformation is important? Could you give us kind of a summary that we introduced in part one of this mini-series in your own words? Thanks, Scott, for the question. But before tapping into the question in more detail, maybe some thoughts why we as humans are going into the direction of digital transformation. From my point of view, we as humans have a natural tendency to strive to improve ourselves and our environment in efficiency. One key pillar is this to the reach of the human communication with its environment. For example, when we developed the language, we were able to live the first time in history in small villages and communes. With the invention of writing, we could create the first cities and kingdoms. And of the Dark Ages, the typewriter was one of the reasons that the knowledge could be long time stored and easily spread around the world, which triggered especially first in Europe an ever decreasing time between new important inventions. Now, with the internet, where information can be shared around the world in seconds, we are witnessing a collective knowledge explosion. I think people and companies want to be part of this knowledge explosion. Nowadays, many people expect that information from all over the world is instantly available for them. In private, this often serves the entertainment needs. But for companies, the actuality of information can drive revenue up or costs down. One example in our area is, for example, the asset monitoring in the energy system. It's not only about that every stakeholder of a monitoring system is up to date about the asset state all the time. For companies, this can be also a way to foster more information out of every ingoing asset state data and derive out of it outcomes like keeping an asset in its state longer online, because for other assets it worked as well, or vice versa. They might even detect based on this data a certain type of failure that may have a real bad impact in the remaining lifetime of an asset, and so on. In general, 
I believe we know already a lot, but I also expect that within the upcoming years, with more and easier tools to gather and analyze data, we can drive the digital transformation further, which is also one key pillar for me is to uncover currently unknown facts. And with this uncovering of the unknown facts, we can further drive our decision making up in the future. Well, thank you for that overview, Lucas. Can you tell us more about which major points are covered in the digital transformation? What points should we be really considering? I think from a holistic point of view, for me, following four points are important. Technology, data, process, and the organization mindsets for change. To get a little bit more in detail about the individual points, I will start with technology, which basically often is used in the, in the sense to describe a set of used tools. In our case, often technology is provided by big companies like Microsoft, Amazon, and so on. So basically like technological tools where we as a company, or in our case Omicron, can build up on it. Then we have the data, which are basically facts, figures, or information that are stored or used by computer. Often also for a company, it's the data owned by the company. We have the process, which is the basically a series of actions to achieve a desired outcome or the way of doing business. So we have it once in the computer sense to describe, for example, what a program should do or in a business where process describes the different steps to come from A to B. And I think in the sense of digital transformation, Maybe the most important one is basically the mindset within the organization to be ready and open for change. I mean, digital transformation basically has also in mind to break old structures partly down and replace them with hopefully better new ones. Here we need to be clear that such an adoptions can have real consequences and impact on the workforce so the employed people which might feel in certain circumstances um let's say negative attitude towards certain changes because they can have as well impact on their maybe working capability or maybe also in the importance for them in the workforce but i think when you want to be uh become or already improve as a digitalized company I think it's important that all the affected persons, also the workforce, know why a company does digital adoptions and what desired outcome it shall bring to the company. Very good. Lucas, thank you for that. Juan Carlos, coming to you, why is it so difficult to implement digital transformation and how can companies fail at it? Well, according to many studies, more than 50% of the digital transformation projects fail. Some studies report up to 85%. There are many reasons for this, as there are many typical digital transformation challenges. Today, we will talk about uh, some of them, the most important ones, like, for example, 
the lack of data or at least the lack of good quality data, data needs to be considered as a company asset. It is important to take care of its quality, it needs to be validated, and it needs to be integrated to extract as much information and value as possible from it. Other typical challenges are the lack of combined data science and domain knowledge, or um, quite often the digital transformation require new technologies, and these new technologies come with new uh, challenges, for example, new cyber security challenges. But let's start with uh, two very important challenges, uh, like the lack of goals or not clearly defined goal or the resistance to cultural change. Many digital transformations are motivated by new technologies like the cloud or artificial intelligence, digital twins, etc. From my point of view, that's not the right way to start. The digital transformation needs to start with a clear goal. This goal could be to improve a business process, to make it more efficient, to avoid mistakes, to avoid uh, repeated steps, etc. Or it could be an initiative that has as a goal uh, to wrap additional uh, features for the customers, uh, to wrap additional functionality around products that the company offers to, to their customers. The second challenge I want to talk about is the resistance to cultural change. Many of the digital transformation initiatives fail due to internal resistance, resistance from the employees. Uh, the business owners uh, believe that the digital transformation is just possible with new tools, with new technologies, and that's a wrong approach. The organization needs to adapt to the new processes and the new tools, and in many cases, the new ways to work together across um, different departments. Failing to communicate the importance of this digital transformation is the main reason why the, the employees show this resistance. So from my point of view, it is very important that there is a clear top management communication that everybody needs to understand the advantages of uh, the new changes. And for sure, it is also important to develop a culture within the organization that is agile and can adapt to changes. Very good, Juan Carlos, thank you. Uh, Lucas, what particular challenges do you see in the energy sector? Would you like to elaborate? Yes, Scott, thanks. I guess challenges that differ from project to project, but a common challenge that we often face usually always revolves around the data. I mean, everyone wants to have a good quality and standardized set of data. But often in reality, this is not the case, which in turn then often presents big obstacles in further digitalization uh, processes. Let's take the substation as an example. For sure, there are standards like IC61850, which have a clear understanding how communication, exchange, and data protocols between merging units or intelligent electronic devices should work. This, together with, for example, asset monitoring, gives a ground for nice tools and products, which can give a good and detailed look on the state of networks. 
But often the problem happens when there's a failure in the network, for example, when an asset fails or has a defect. In this case, still, usually the technician is the major factor to confirm any errors and fixing them. So at least the last part had not been yet digitalized. What's quite interesting is, and what you also often see, especially these tasks which are not yet digitalized, they contain a lot of highly available data, uh, which gives further indication about the condition of, let's say, the electrical network. And our customers often want to have as well this data within uh, cloud or network products. And I guess one challenge is because so far this uh, level of data, let's we call it usually from the offline tests, is not yet standardized. And when thinking about, let's say, also a company, they might want to have standardized data because they might, over the long term, might want to also to switch vendors. And one challenge is to get, let's say, this uh, offline test data also in a standardized format, so then it has also a long-term uh, value for the companies. Great. Lucas, why is test data so important? I mean, in general, test data is an important factor to determine the current health of an asset. So the test data not only serves to determine potential follow-up actions like repair, replacement, or putting back the asset into action, but it can as well be used as a reference to determine potential, potentially remaining life expectancy of assets. With later, it should be noted this is more a potential range of remaining lifespan than with a concrete, let's say, indicator to say, let's, okay, it will let's say, live now for five years. We can expect it might live for five years. And I guess also with test data, we need to distinguish between once the online or monitoring data and the offline test data. Although, for example, monitoring solutions have made big improvements over the last years, they cannot replace all offline testing activities. Online monitoring is nice on one hand because we get a continuous data stream without having the need to switch off the asset from the power network. But for certain, let's say, indicators about the uh, asset health status, still the offline data is uh, required to get it, which in turn, of course, then requires also to disconnect the asset from the power network. And all in all, with all the data which we want to gain, we want to get a good overlook about the um, asset health state. And what I think also with the test data, which we need to keep in mind is, so it's once important for the asset health status, but as well, as long we do not have it yet, let's say on a common platform, we still, uh, let's say, living between the worlds of offline information and online information. And I think over the next years, there is the tendency to drive more towards, let's say, having everything within an online data set. Okay. 
Lucas, thank you. Do you have any applications in mind for the test data? I mean, besides the obvious assessment of the asset health status, it's also quite valuable, for example, for a test engineer to determine during his work activity, if, for example, he connected everything correctly or if there might be some mistakes within the setup. Because what we also sometimes see, and I think this is one of the most annoying things, is you're going testing and often there are a lot of things you need to be aware of during the testing, like do I have connected it correctly? Do I have, let's say, the asset in the correct state? Does the environment not influence my test results? And often with this, let's say, full scale of things you need to be aware of, we often see that customer might test the asset, especially when they have, for example, maybe young test engineers. And then they go back in the office and they realize, oh, I have made during the test a mistake. And I think up to a certain degree, uh, there is, of course, also a chance with a direct response to the end user based on the test data to tell him, hey, look, you might have uh, made the wrong wiring or you might have, let's say, a problem because of the weather and the increased moisture and so on. And I think one, to summarize it, is one chance is to gain a little bit this experience of the tester, which we have worked for decades within the software and give especially young test engineers, for example, also direct feedback when they would be, let's say, obtaining bad desk data quality due to errors or other mistakes. What would be the consequences of bad testing data? Um, as I, let's say, outlined in my last response, one of the biggest issues is when you detect the test data then in the office. Just imagine the excessive time and money waste when you, for example, need to retest a transformer because you might just have wired a cable wrong. And the whole retesting uh, thing, it's... For everyone, it's not a good state. And I think the software can, to a certain degree, help that directly with the measurement, some bad testing data can be avoided. Okay. How do you know what bad testing data is? That's often quite a tricky task. I mean, analyzing test results has quite some history, and we have already many standards guidelines like Segre and other publications or papers available which give us good indicators about rules, how to treat uh, measurement results. I guess one of the challenges in the next years is to find out of this, let's say, really big pool of indicators, the right indicators and maybe also combination between them and give based on this understanding and let's say easy to understand a trustful recommendation to test engineers and i think to find 
out what are the best indicators are, it's crucial to talk to the experts or to the test experts, collect feedback. And also when you have an indicator, you need to verify them with a lot of meaningful tests and outcomes of real, real world, uh, let's say, testing activities. In the end, I would say some test data can be directly spotted with one eye blink, where in some cases, especially one when you have, let's say, some edge cases, you can have a lot of indicators and circumstances where you really need to be precise to gain out, let's say, the real meaningful uh, impact uh, of, out of the combination of indicators. And this is not always easy, respectfully. A lot of this, let's say, um, let's say combinations of indicators had not been yet, let's say, researched. And I think this will be a task for the next decades to find here, let's say, valuable combinations out of them. In the end, I mean, as with most things, it's a process loop with learning from experience and incorporate new knowledge uh, and repeat. I have an interesting question here. Do you think artificial intelligence can help in future with tasks like spotting bad test data, maybe even replace humans in the spotting of bad test data? The capabilities around artificial intelligence surely made a big leap with enhancement in speech and pattern recognition in the last years. This leads to the circumstance that as well more and more products are designed with or around AI. I also think that for certain tasks, AI will be used in the power industry. But I also think that for most tasks, humans are still to be required till a certain uh, degree, especially when it makes around making decisions. I mean, in the sense of bad test data, most AI applications today are designed basically as we call it a weak AI. So basically trying to solve one particular thing. The AI, which currently many people have in mind, is the so-called strong AI, which should basically understand or learn any task a human being can. At this point, has the AI not reached yet? And I think also when you talk about bad testing data, you cannot just pick out one particular color fact, put an AI on this and say, this is a bad testing data. I think what the industry will do, maybe also in the sense of the bad testing data, there will be a lot of groundwork spent to, let's say, drive further AI analysis in the futures. But to get to this point, it's not, let's say, directly around the corner. You once need to have a lot of data and a lot of expertise before you can go further down the road with interpretation and automatization. And I mean, as with all AI, I think we know proper groundwork is important because the AI will only be so clever as the creators are. And having an AI for any analyze, analyzing task is a complex undertaking. Lucas, that's, that's really interesting. 
which challenges might companies face when implementing cybersecurity measures? I think the central point is the available knowledge within the company. Cybersecurity itself is for most companies basically like a quite new topic which went mainstream in the last years. Having the right people with knowledge to define and implement cybersecurity measures is often not available, or in some companies, it's such a new topic that they didn't have enough time for identifying the, the problems and get down to the solution side yet. Okay. Are there some concrete examples how Omicron can help with any cybersecurity tasks? I think I want to here emphasize three important points for me. It's authentication, it's hosting, and it's transparency. Starting with authentication, we see a big trend for having at least a two-factor authentication mechanism. So users do not want anymore to rely on one authentication method, which had been in the past often the Windows sign-on, but they want to have in addition, let's say, like certificates, uh, maybe user accounts or confirmation over mobile phones. And one important part is it's not only a wish often by the user, we see also big trend towards that in certain countries to factor authentication when data is, let's say, sended from one application to another is also a requirement by law. As well, as a second point, we have the topic around hosting where in many applications, users can choose between a self-hosted on-premises solution or hosting the data on big player uh, cloud services like Microsoft or Amazon. For me, the hosting part on the cloud service has a big advantage that usually that there are companies behind which have the best and most all-around security measures already implemented in their products as often thousands of employees in Microsoft or other companies are just thinking about this particular topic to secure the data. Especially when you're thinking about when users choose to do on-premises solution. Just think how fast development is in the digital age and keeping up with all solutions, requirements, and etc. is often for a single company not uh, possible, especially when they're not focusing on, uh, especially when they're not a non-cloud specialized company, as most companies are. And finally, I think what's important also when we, out of Omicron, talk about cybersecurity is the transparency. For each solution or product, which basically has a network capability, vulnerabilities can exist and they can be exposed. And I think in case something happens, it's really important that uh, the communication towards the end user. So in, when security issues are detected, they need to be analyzed, they need to be assessed, they need to be treated fastly, and the need in the end, also the change needs to be communicated to the end user. We in Omicron have for this an established and comprehensive and systematic process to 
deal with any such cybersecurity risks or issues. And I guess in the end, this is the important point that you are also with each other quite open when something happens and what can be done. Lucas, thank you very much. I have one more question for you. What about the challenge faced by evolving customer needs? And what exactly is meant by this? So thanks, Kurt. I mean, till a certain degree, we are basically all influenced by our environments. And a lot of our environments, they basically evolved our digital, more digital offerings which in turn also influences our expectations. And I think with these questions, this means this evolving customer needs. Because take, for example, reporting as an example in our industry. In the past, for example, a simple Excel report had been enough to share between our users, but this might be for some users not be enough anymore in the year 2022. They want to have customizable graphs, more graphs. They want to have uh, assessments, maybe this indicator. They might want to have the report not only on the PC, but on the mobile phones where they can share it with colleagues and so on. And when you think about, let's say, evolving your offering to customer, you cannot just think about one particular thing. You need to think about the complete solution, maybe some steps ahead. Because in the end, we don't want to have, let's say, separate features. We want to have features in an ecosystem which will all play nicely uh, together. and. When staying with reporting, just think about it. For example, adding additional indicators might be just an expression of other features in the background, which have to determine these indicators and so on. Taking up with developed customers' expectations, especially in the digital world, let's say requires for us as a business, a strong motor, not only of the right processes, the right data, but we as well need to have uh, the right ideas and people in the background to, let's say, fulfill these new customer expectations in the digital world. Lucas, thank you very much. Thank you. Juan Carlos, do you have any challenges to add to this? Well, one important challenge that uh, many companies have, especially when they are um, improving their solutions with additional uh, data-related features, is the lack of combined domain and data analytic uh, skills. There are many companies that have um, a good um, team, good teams with a good data analytics or artificial intelligence skills. And for sure, many, many companies, most of the companies have... Uh, group of uh, domain experts, but the challenge to bring these two groups together is uh, quite often the uh, reason why many projects fail. There are different ways to do that. The, the obvious way to do that is to create a multidisciplinary teams or to embed the experts, the domain experts within the groups that are developing the, the solutions, um, that are improving the product with uh, data analytics or artificial intelligence. 
but there are other more um, creative ways, for example, creating networking or collaboration platforms where the two groups can can share experiences, can learn from each other. And uh, at the end, it's a platform that puts those two teams together. Okay. Thank you very much, Juan Carlos. Lucas, how is Omicron helping the power industry to meet these challenges that you described and also the ones that Juan Carlos has described and succeed in the successful implementation of digital transformation? So what we have is, let's say, the ecosystem consisting of both our primary test manager, primary test manager data sync, and our cloud solution with the DSM. With the primary test manager, we at least to try to, let's say, straighten up, let's say, the test data structure within Omicron of our test sets. For example, when you're testing with a CPC100, a power transformer, or with a Testrano 600, a power transformer, the workflow uh, should be the same, the results should be the same, and as well, also in the background, the data should be the same. So we try to align our offline test data. With the data sync mechanism, we provide an interface to send up this uh, our the Omicron test data to our current cloud offering, the DSM. Within the DSM, I think the goal is not only having, for example, Omicron test data in there to standardize, but as well opening up to other vendors like, for example, Megger or Double Product, but as well also giving an interface towards unstandardized, let's say, data structure. Of course, I think we are, let's say, at the start with our products within the digital world, and we have still big plans to develop them further. And what's, I think, so uh, interesting, at least for me, is to working at Omicron with all these things which are currently in movement around digital transformation offerings. We have a lot of challenges still to face, but I'm also looking forward to uh, let's say trigger or let's say to face these challenges and hopefully that we as company can grow further and e offer even better digital solutions to our customers in the future. Great. Okay. Lucas, thank you. Juan Carlos, in summary, could you tell us the most important challenge you see in the implementation of digital transformation in the power industry? which you and Lucas have presented in this episode? Well, although all challenges are important, there is one that I would like to remark, and that's the resistance to cultural change. Sometimes projects just fail because the employees are not um, willing to change the way they work, maybe because they just don't understand why they have to change the way they were working for the last years. So a clear, Top management communication is super important. Everybody needs to understand the advantages of the digital transformation, advantages not only for the company, but also for their everyday job. Juan Carlos, Lucas, 
Thank you both for joining me for this discussion about implementation challenges and solutions which you presented in part two of our NHA Talks miniseries, Digital Transformation in the Power Industry. Thank you, Scott. It was a pleasure to be here again today. And thank you also to our listeners. Also, thanks, Scott. It was great fun to record this podcast. And also to our listeners, I hope you had fun listening to us. Thanks. And thank you both again and for all the wonderful information. And a big thank you to our audience for listening to this episode of Energy Talks. We would really like to know what you think about our podcast and which topics you would like to hear more about in the future. Also, if you have questions about a particular episode for our guest experts, please let us know. To do this, simply send us an email to podcast at omicronenergy.com. We greatly appreciate your questions and feedback. Omicron has several years of experience in power system testing and offers you the matching solution for your application. Omicron continuously optimizes the software of its testing solutions to facilitate a smooth digital transformation for users in the power industry now and into the future. For more information, be sure to visit our website at omicronenergy.com. Please join us to listen to the next episode of Energy Talks. Goodbye for now, everyone.